Yeah. Well, that could get out of hand real fast, right? Amen. Do you think of yourself as a loyal person? I want you to just think about it. Do you think of yourself as someone who is loyal to the end without any wavering whatsoever? That's what we're going to look at uh, here today and the very idea that we could be completely loyal and by loyalty, I'm not talking about things as, and yes, I'll say it for those of you who know me, nothing is trivial as loyalty to a sports team. Nothing is meaningless really in the long term as loyalty to a political party or a particular stance. Nothing really like that. But truly loyal. And in this context, because we're in a series where we're talking about the horizontal relationships that we have here on planet Earth, specifically that of the family, uh, can we be completely loyal, listen now, to another person? You see, that's a notion that actually has fallen on pretty hard times in our culture and in our day. That we could be completely loyal to another person is considered by many people to be old-fashioned. And in fact, some people would consider loyalty of the sort we're talking today to actually be unhealthy. Now, here's the thing. Even though many people today might think that, we here at Harvest have never been terribly concerned with what many people say. Correct? Uh, we're far more concerned about what one says. Amen? Uh, we're about pressing in and hearing what the Lord Jesus Christ has to say to us about this matter in particular in his word. We should care about what God says about this, as is true about every topic, anything we ever bring to the table to learn from his word. And so we are these days in this family series and we are in the book of Proverbs and kind of the thing we're driving towards here is a Proverbs that we need to hear uh, for our family and priorities that we need to be making uh, for our family. And so we're going to look into the book of Proverbs today um, for some wisdom so that we might consider how we as Christ followers can be loyal people to one another, loyal to one another to the end. And what we're going to find in his word is that the loyalty that God demonstrates toward us, and he is loyal, is he not? Amen. To the end. And, and, and the example that he gives to us today, that becomes the example, the model for us in terms of all of our human, earthly relationships. And so as we continue to lock down the priorities we need to be making in our families, this is the declaration we're going to make today. Hopefully by the end you can make this pledge, you can make this a priority for your family if it is not already. You see, uh, it's a family thing to remain loyal to one another, amen? It's a family thing to remain loyal uh, to one another. So that's what we're driving at. Let's... Um, Let's pray together and then we'll uh, get right into Proverbs uh, 16 today. Uh, Father, there's no doubt that you have already done some great things in this room. And we have, uh, uh, Father, without question, sensed your presence here. Uh, we would say it's been good for us to be here. 
And God, thank you for that. Thank you for the way that you've met us in our worship and the way that you've received our worship. God, we mean to sing these songs sincerely from our heart with full integrity. God, where we are still weak, God, I pray that you would strengthen us. Where we are still lacking knowledge, God, I I pray that you would teach us. God, where we are still rebellious, God, I pray that you would challenge us. And God, where we are discouraged today, because maybe the road is difficult right now, God, I pray that our spirits and our hearts would be lifted up here today and we would walk away encouraged. God, we need you for all of that. We we can't do any of that for ourselves, so... Father, during this time now, speak to us. We're listening. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Priority number two in this series, it's a family thing to remain loyal to one another. Let's start with this, that we need to see it in God's relationship to us. We need to see loyalty in God's relationship to us. I said that we were going to start in Proverbs 16, and we're going to look at verse 6, really just the first part of verse 6. We have um, several verses that we're going to look at in the book of Proverbs, but let's start here. Proverbs 16, 6. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. Now, this is our whole problem. That we are in our iniquity. We are in our sin. We are separated from our God as a result of our sin. This is the major dilemma that humanity has. Not just humanity in general, but me in particular, you in particular. We have a problem. And God was faithful to us to provide a solution to that problem that we have. And as we look at this particular verse, I want you to see this. We need to drill down on one particular word. Uh, that's in this verse, actually two words in the English, but in the original Hebrew language, one word, it's the word in English, steadfast love, but in the Hebrew language, it is the word chesed, and I think we have it up on the screen. We would just uh, write it this way. Uh, Sometimes it would be written just to understand uh, the pronunciation at the very beginning. There might be a dot under the H, or there might be a CH sound, but it really is The Hebrews would start the word kind of down here in their throat and say chesed. You say that with me? Chesed. It's kind of fun to say, right? And I'm going to tell you right now, this word chesed, number one, the most important word in all of the Old Testament. I mean, there just isn't another word that's more important than this concept of chesed. And in the English, translated here, steadfast love. Now, if you carry different uh, English translations, uh, the challenge with this word is it's just one of those words that's so power-packed in the original language that when you try to take it from Hebrew and translate it into English, there are just no English words that fully capture the, the, the whole nuance, the whole definition or the concept that this word is driving at. And so the various English translators, they'll say, I think this word describes it better, and I think this word does. And really what you do is if you take all the words in the English translations together, you kind of get all the different facets of what chesed is really all about. And so steadfast love here in the ESV, if you carry an of uh, King James Version, uh, loving kindness uh, was the word that it was used. And that's not a word that we really use uh, today. We, it, it's uh, not a word that's in common language. But you know what? It almost comes closest than any of the other words to the concept of what's going on here. 
So steadfast love, loving kindness, in other places, faithfulness. It carries uh, the idea of fidelity, of loyalty. It carries the weight of, listen, not just faithfulness, but covenant faithfulness that's driven by the love of God. And, and so God has an agreement. He's made a promise. And he's going to be faithful to the promise. And all of that flows actually from his love. So I've kind of captured it this way. Uh, chesed then is the expression of God's devotion, his loyalty to the covenant promises that flow from his love and his compassion for his people. That's chesed. Now you can see why that's such a powerful word and you can see how this word is the foundation, this whole concept is the foundation for the whole rescue mission that gets us from our sinful state and allows us to have a relationship with our God again. This is the foundation for all of it. It all flows from the chesed of God, from the steadfast love, the covenant faithfulness of our God towards us. Now again, all of this resulted... Uh, in our sin, this covenant faithfulness of God, it resulted in our sin being covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Because God was faithful to himself, to, his, to the promise he had made, because his love was so unwavering, so steadfast, it compelled him to act on our behalf. To bring glory to his great name by creating this way that we could get into a relationship with himself. Are you beginning to see how this loyalty that we're talking about, it's so built into the very fabric of the character of who God is. That we have to see that and understand that this is how we get into relationship with him. And this is how we ought to be treating each other. You can't get more loyal to a promise than that, than what God has done for us. He said he'd make a way. He made the promise. And he kept his promise at great cost. And even though, listen to this now, even though we don't deserve his steadfast love. Let's go ahead and say right now, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve his steadfast love. Even though that is true, he remained true to his promise. Even though I rebel against him, even though I have trouble loving him back, even, even though I spurn his advances, even though I reject his ways. He remains faithful to me. He's going to keep his promises. And in light of that, we have to receive what God offers us. We have to acknowledge his move toward us. Again, salvation is not automatic for everyone. I have to actually reach out. I have to see that God is moving towards me. And I have to say, God, you're welcome in my life. Come in and save me. Receive the steadfast love of Christ into our own lives. This is so incredible important, incredibly important for us as we talk about this family a thing that we're going after. Because it can be so tempting just to give us um, kind of self-help and platitudes that would kind of repair the damage in our families without truly getting to the core issue of what we need to get to. I hope you know that as a preacher, I've never been one to preach self-help, felt needs kind of messages. I'm not all that interested in giving you a pep talks or six steps to a better life. 
That's not what we're about here. This isn't a morality lecture uh, whatsoever. I am not at all interested in just fixing your family. I'm interested in introducing you to Jesus Christ. Like the Apostle Paul, I preach Christ and Him crucified. I have no other message for you. This is the starting point. There is no other. We must give our lives to Him. He's the hope of the world and to the one and the one to whom we must pledge our loyalty. It's the starting point for all of this. When we had sinned and irreversibly separated ourselves from God, it was His faithfulness. Please understand that. His faithfulness that brought us into relationship with Himself. And the only way into that relationship with God is through Jesus Christ. This can't just be about some help for your family. It has to be about Jesus Christ in your family. There really is not, in any sense, multiple steps to help your family get to a good place. Please hear me right now, there's only one step. And if you have not yet taken that first step, that one step that you must make, to get to the cross of Jesus Christ and give your life to him, then I would invite you right now, stop listening to me and begin praying to Jesus right now and ask him to save you. Confess your sin. Confess the brokenness of your life situation. Confess the mess that your family or marriage is in. Take that to Jesus Christ right now. Stop listening to me and start praying to him. And turn your life to Christ. It's a family thing to remain loyal to one another. And you have to see it in God's relationship to us. You have to see it in the salvation that he offers you right now. That's the foundation that we're building. In every one of these messages, Proverbs cannot simply be wise sayings to help me in my life. It has to be the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Amen? All right. It's a family thing to remain loyal to one another, seed in God's relationship to us. Hopefully we have that. Uh, Proverbs 16, uh, 6 um, taught us that. And then this, appreciate, having maybe gotten there, appreciate its rarity. This kind of loyalty that God demonstrates for us, we would understand that it's rare. We would understand, in fact, that it is unique. And that it's actually one of a kind and there is nothing else like it. In Proverbs 20 uh, verse 6, I already heard your pages turning so you're there already. Proverbs 20 verse 6 says this, Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find... Now the first thing we need to do, because we have one very important Old Testament word that we're looking at here that's teaching us about loyalty, that Old Testament word is what? Chesed, the chesed of God. Well, we're going to see it in this verse as well. Notice, many a man proclaims his own steadfast love. You see it there? All right, that's the chesed. 
And, and now it's being seen as something that's in the horizontal realm. It's, I'm proclaiming it to you. I'm proclaiming steadfast love to you. I've, I've learned this from God, and I see how uh, incredibly uh, loyal to his covenant that he is. And, and now I want to demonstrate that for you. And so many men proclaiming steadfast love, but a faithful man who can really find It's a rhetorical question that drives us to one answer. It's one thing to proclaim it, but it's quite another thing to actually live it. And there are so many that are proclaiming it, so many who are declaring, oh, I'm faithful. I'm steadfast. I'm loyal. But in reality, the follow-through on that isn't very great. So many willing to make the commitment to declare their loyalty with their mouths, but so few keeping the promise. Now this is a family series, and it's natural in the context of this to think about loyalty in in terms of the home, and to think about it in terms of especially our marriages, where we make this actual declaration, and kids you're kind of stuck with, you have them, they're just yours, they just appear one day and they're just yours, right? I mean, you kind of have to be faithful to them, but I mean, they just show up. But, but, the, but the marriage thing, I mean, that's a choice, correct? I mean, that's something we go out there and we try to find someone to marry and then we find someone that we're interested in that we, quote unquote, fall in love with and then we make a volitional choice to be in a relationship with this person and we stand up in front of a bunch of other people and we proclaim that loyalty, Were Cheryl and I the only ones who did that, or did you guys do that too? Right? Bunch of you did that? So you declare this, this declaration, this vow, this pledge of loyalty. So I think about this verse, and I go, a lot of people making the pledge. Many a man, many a bride and groom proclaim their steadfast love, their loyalty. But a faithful man and woman, who can find that? It's rare. I was reading, again, just trying to catch up on where we're at as Canadians with regard to divorce rates and the state of marriage. I'm not going to give you a lot here, but from a recent edition of the Globe and Mail, Canadian divorce rates nearing 41%. What that means is that of the people that are getting married right now in this year, 41% of them, it's projected, 41% of them will divorce before their 30th anniversary. I always kind of scratch my head at that. Who's really getting divorced on their 30th anniversary? You made it 30 years. What's going on? 41%. Four out of every 10 marriages are not going to make it. That's a sad statistic. And we might go through and think about a UK study, also out of the Globe and Mail, um, A UK study uh, kind of went through the reasons why people are getting divorced. It used to be for a long, long time, probably as far back as anyone can remember, that the number one cause of divorce cited in divorce proceedings was what? What do you think? Adultery. Someone said adultery. That's it. It It was sexual immorality. Someone stepped out. Number one cause. As far back as anyone can remember. And now it's been replaced with this. It's no longer adultery. And people are even saying marriages can survive adultery, but they can't survive this. Number one cause now in this UK study is 
falling out of love with each other. I mean, I step back from that and I go, I'm not even really sure I know what that means. Especially in the context in, 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 the, in the context of we as the followers of Jesus Christ who understand that love, according to the word of God, has a lot less to do with romance, though romance is a big part of it. Read Song of Solomon if you're married. Um, it, romance is a big part of it. I don't advise singles to ever read that book. You read the whole Bible, just, just not Song of Solomon. Romance is a part of it. Uh, but, but listen, love, according to Jesus Christ, according to his word, is a commitment. It's a choice. And it's in spite of what I see in you. It's not because of what I see in you. I've said I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you. I said I would be there. I'm going to be there. That's love. So I don't understand this whole falling out of love thing. It just doesn't seem to make much sense to me. It seems rather fickle. It seems rather conditional. That's not what I see out of the Lord. I mean, I'm so glad that despite my fickleness toward God and my rebellions, I'm just real glad that God hasn't fallen out of love with me. I mean, he could easily divorce me. You know? I'm just glad he hasn't. Because I certainly feel like I deserve it. Maybe you do too. I'm glad he's faithful when I'm not. I'm glad he shows his steadfast love to me, even though my love for him is far less than steadfast. I don't even get close to steadfast. I'm just so grateful for this God who's loyal to the covenant promises that he's made. And it's such a rare thing to find that kind of loyalty in any horizontal relationship. Even in marriages, to find that kind of tenacious commitment to one another. And when it does happen, we need to give credit, give credit where credit is due. It needs to go to the Lord who somehow by his grace keeps us in that place. Keeps us faithful to our commitments. I would take no credit for that myself in my own marriage. God who keeps us faithful, knowing we need to live this out. Though the temptations are constantly there to move out and to move on and to not remain loyal and to seek my own thing. It's been so become so rare that anyone would keep their covenant, would pledge and remain loyal in these most solemn relationships. That when it happens, it's so noteworthy. It's so uncommon. What Solomon knew then, we think again that this is some kind of contemporary problem. And, and yet here's Solomon, a thousand years before Christ, 3,000 years removed from us, writing that loyalty of this sort is Im almost impossible to find in his day. Loyalty is not old-fashioned. It just has always been under the assault of the evil one. And of the culture that we live in. It's always been susceptible to our own fleshly desires. And so we need the Lord. 
And I would just say to you this morning, if, if loyalty has been a problem for you, if some of this is resonating with you, I, I would tell you right now it can change for you. I believe that the people of Jesus Christ, the followers of Christ, can be loyal people. We can do this in the power of God's Holy Spirit. We can keep our promises. We can be loyal. Listen, even when others are not. Even when others are not. Just as the Lord was to us. Even when we were not. Amen? It's a family thing to remain loyal to one another. We see it in God's relationship to us. We appreciate its rarity. And so we would say this, make it happen. Make it happen in your relationships to others. All that's left for us, understanding what we've just kind of laid down here, it's modeled in the Lord, it's a rare thing, but we can still get this done with the Lord's help. Uh, Then really it's just up to us to make it happen. I love the picture we get in chapter 3 and uh, verse 3. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Let me pause there and say, what's our word again? The chesed of God. There it is. Steadfast love. You mark that in your Bibles again. You're going to see this, not just in Proverbs, but as you read throughout the Old Testament, hundreds of times the chesed of God is spoken of. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Uh, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. We need to make this happen. And the language here is in verse 3, in the latter part of verse 3, this whole idea of taking the chesed of God, the faithfulness of God, and, and, and writing it on our hearts and binding it on our necks. This is a very common picture in the Old Testament where God's just trying to drive home the whole notion that this is so, so, supposed to be so close to us that it's as if it's bound to us. And, and the neck and the heart in this context, it speaks uh, very much to the kind of vital organs, to the, to the places of life inside of us. We would admit that our heart is a symbol of life, that our necks are a vulnerable place, and our life can be taken from us just from our necks. These are places of life where we want to bind the faithfulness of God to us. Now, maybe you've seen this. Um, later generations of Jews who have taken this notion really literally, and uh, this based more off of Deuter- the example of Deuteronomy chapter 6, but these uh, phylacteries or little leather boxes contain portions of the Torah or the uh, first five books of Moses out of the Old Testament. So they take little scrolls, little portions, they put them inside the phylactery, and then they wear it literally on their forehead, because in Deuteronomy 6 it says, bind it to your head, uh, and, then, and then they put sometimes ones, you can see the straps on his arm, and you can see the one that's sitting there right on, on top of his very pronounced bicep. Um, so this soldier is uh, praying, and he's wearing the phylacteries, Uh, with the Torah inside of them. He's taken it literally, and I would never want to question uh, his faith or where he's at or the sincerity of all of that, but they've kind of missed the point in making it so literal when really this is figurative language to drive it into us to say, this needs to be the most vital thing, part of your very life, to believe 
what's being said here. Bind these things on your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And um, we need to have this steadfast love of God bound to us. We would do this in a way that would tell the world that we are genuinely His. And when we are genuinely His, then we have an actual shot at living out the family the way He would have us living it out. And apart from this, I really believe that we're lost and there's very little hope for us as we try to make our way on our own. Not that you can't make it, not that you can't have a good marriage. God's common grace is available to all, but we certainly up the odds, if you will. We certainly give ourselves a greater advantage when we press into God's word, when we say we're going to do it his way, when we have his steadfast love bound to us in this way. We want to have committed relationships in our marriages and in our parenting. Our families need to exude the steadfast love of God and a steadfast love for one another. We want to bind these things to us. I want to get real practical about that. What does that really mean? How does this play out? To have steadfast love bound to me and and for me to be loyal to another, what does that really look like? Well, let me give you these. If you're taking notes, five proofs of loyalty. Five proofs of loyalty. This is how I'm going to be able to make it happen in my marriage and in my family. The first is this. You want to write these down. Number one, just write down, give it up. Give it up. If we truly want to be loyal, we have to give it up. We have to sacrifice. We have to go the extra mile. It has to be about the other and not about me. It has to be about my spouse, my wife, my life sacrificed for her. It can't be about what am I getting out of the marriage and how does this make me feel and I don't feel fulfilled and, and, and I'm not getting enough out of it and she doesn't take care of my needs. And listen, it can't be any of that or it's, there's no loyalty if that's being said. It has to be about the other and there is a sacrifice attached to this way to, to, to this way of life. Loyalty takes time, it takes energy, it takes blood, sweat and tears. It's costly. And if you're still about yourself, loyalty will elude you. And so will the kind of marriage that God would have for you. If this is the way you're living, if it's still about you, then you have not bound the steadfast love of God to your neck and you've not written it on your heart. Number one, give it up. Number two, say it out loud. Say it out loud. You have to open your mouth and say the words. You can't go through your entire marriage never telling your husband or wife how committed you are to them. It can't be like the husband who said to his wife, I told you on our wedding day I loved you. If anything changes, I'll let you know. It can't be that. And we laugh because hopefully the ones that are laughing are going like, we tell each other we love each other all the time. We do that all the time, and I'm, I'm glad that you do. But there are some in the room who are not laughing because that is the state of their marriage. And maybe you do love your spouse, and maybe you haven't told them lately that you love them. And you should. 
You've got to open your mouth to actually say these things. Listen, you never assume anything. Write that down. That's, that's worth the whole thing this morning. Never assume anything. Always ask. Always check. Always verify. So you've got to open your mouth. You actually have to say it. I want you to know that I am for you. Parents to their children. Husbands to their wives. Wives to their husbands. Do you know that husbands struggle uh, so much with the idea of respect and, and they, they wrestle in the world. Husbands wrestle to be respected. The whole thing with tagging their identity to what they do for a living is all about gaining respect. Men naturally give respect to one another. We understand that. It's a man thing. We could have a knockdown drag out and still respect each other for it. But not women. They don't give respect that well. And there are men in this room who are being crushed under the weight of not knowing if their wife is proud of them or not. If their wife respects them. And they're cowering and becoming quieter and quieter year after year after year because they just flat out don't know whether or not you respect them, wives. You got to open your mouth. You got to actually say the words. I want you to know I'm for you. I need you to know how much I love you. I want you to know I'm not going anywhere. I'm committed to this marriage, to this family. Don't assume, never assume that other people know what's actually in your heart. Number three, follow through. This is so important in light of number two because you can say it out loud and then not actually do anything about it. So the words are never enough. I mean, the old maxim is true. We spend uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on the wedding day and then put so little investment in the actual marriage. We make the words, we, we pledge the words on the wedding day, but then the follow through on those words, as I, one of the things I do when you deal with a couple that's having some challenges in their marriage, I, I've uh, from time to time told them, hey, bring your vows to the next time we meet. Just bring those vows. I'm going to get you to read those to me because I want to see what you committed to each other. And most married couples have never brought their vows out again. They said them on that day, feeling like it's some kind of formal ceremony they had to do. They met the obligation, but, but they've never actually brought them out to review them. And, and, and say, are we living these things? Are we doing what we said we were going to do, follow through? It's trite but true. Actions speak louder than words. You have to do what you said you'd do. There has to be consistency and steadfastness in your actions. There has to be integrity of purpose proven in words and deeds. To borrow the words of Jesus in Matthew 5, 37. Let your yes be yes, let your no be no. In other words, do what you said you're going to do. If it's a yes, yes. If it's a no, no. But do it. Do it. How are we doing? Five proofs of loyalty. Give it up. Say it out loud. Follow through. Number four. Take the fall. We don't like this one. Take the fall. You might have to absorb the blows for the other person. You might have to, you might be a child in a family, a young person, a, an adult a child, and, 
And you might have to absorb the blows for your parents, or parents might need to absorb them for their children, and husbands and wives for sure, at some point in your marriage, you're going to absorb the blows for the other. Take the fall. You rise and fall together. In marriage, one flesh. You made the commitment. God has bound you together as one, therefore you rise and fall together. You let your own personal reputation be at risk for the sake of the other. So I'm not letting my personal reputation be at risk for anyone. Well, yes, you are. If you're loyal, you will. I'm going to put it on the line. You see, it was because of his steadfast love that Jesus Christ made himself, Philippians 2 says, he made himself of no what? No reputation. He made himself of no reputation. Listen, he took our sins upon himself. He took the curse of death on himself for us. He allowed himself to be uh, falsely accused. Was he guilty? No, he was not. Did he ever sin? No, he didn't. Did he stand before crowds of people, before a watching world, before a Roman tribunal and a Jewish council? Did he stand before them, accused and guilty? Did he allow himself to take the penalty for our sins? Did he ruin his own reputation for us? The answer is, yes, he did. And if I pledge myself in this life to any other person, I am putting my reputation on the line as Jesus did for me. There's no alternative if we want to be loyal. Finally this, remain under. The greatest proof of loyalty is that you're there when the smoke is cleared. It's easy to run. It's easy to take shelter, to get away. Anybody can do that. That's not rare at all. People who who give up, who bag it, who find an alternative, that's easy. That's normal. But when the bomb goes off, when you're loyal, When you have steadfast love, when the bomb goes off, you don't run for cover. You run to where the bomb went off and you go to find help and to to provide help. You're, You're there for the person. You remain under. Loyalty means you endure through the trial. You make your pledge of loyalty. You say this, no one's going anywhere. We're walking through this together. I'll be with you to the end. That's loyalty. I'm there when the smoke is cleared. Now, here's why we're not seeing more proof of this kind of loyalty today. Because we live in this throwaway, consumeristic culture. It treats loyalty like it treats everything else. It's not that there isn't a form of loyalty out there, but it's treated like everything else. It's a consumer product. So I buy it. And I use it, and then I throw the package away when I'm done using it. It's, it's conditional loyalty. It's something I, I, I just use for a time. I, 
As long as they're loyal to me, I'll be loyal to them. And uh, when the loyalty seems to just start to wane and the product is coming to the end of the package, then I just move on. I don't, I don't I treat it as if it's something that's enduring. By its nature, though, loyalty is not a temporal thing. It's not something that we just give up on. If it's discarded or used up, then it wasn't loyalty. Stop using that word. Don't say you're loyal to someone if you see a, an end point of that. But if it's still then, if it's still there in your life, if it's still there in your relationship, when by every human measure it shouldn't be, then it's true loyalty. If it's still there, when by every human measure it shouldn't be, then and only then is it loyalty. Do you have that? Loved ones, is that what would describe your relationship, your marriages, your family situation? That loyal, willing to take the fall? All kidding aside about sibling rivalry and what goes on between brothers and sisters. Are, are you loyal to your siblings? Are you there for your extended family when they need you to be? I want to help you make this happen in your, in your homes, in your families. I, I'm committed to that. Our elders are committed to that. I, I hope that you are too. This kind of loyalty, is, it's focused and it's purposeful. It isn't in any respect, and I know the objection. Todd, for sure, you can't be talking about blind loyalty where I just pledge something to a person irrespective of how they're living their life or what they might demand of me, and for sure we're not talking about that. What we are talking about is something that's grounded in the word of God and the holiness of God. I'm not going to excuse what you're doing. I'm not going to turn a blind eye in the name of loyalty. That wouldn't be biblical in any sense. It it wouldn't reflect the godliness uh, that God would have for us. Though God was faithful to us, his steadfast love was enduring. God still disciplined us. God was still molding us and shaping us. God was still bringing us to a better place than we were currently in. God never excuses our sin. And so we can't look at loyalty in that way. What we should be doing is pledging ourselves to do anything to bring our wives, our husbands, our families to maturity in Jesus Christ. I'm loyal to that. I'm so committed to the steadfast love of God. It's so written on my heart. It's so bound to my neck that what I want for you is that you would grow to maturity in Jesus Christ. That you would live according to the faith of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's what I want to bring you to. That's what I'm loyal to. And when we get this right, it'll never be blind loyalty because it's grounded in the covenant that God has made with us and the mission that He's charged us with in this world. All of it governed by the promises that God has made to us. That means that loyalty to a family member does not 
ever equal facilitating their sins. It means I can be loyal and still with grace call out sin. Lead someone uh, to holiness and holy living rather than allowing them under my watch to continue to pursue a sinful lifestyle. My desire and my hope is to bring them to a place of repentance. That's loyalty. I'm not happy where you are. I'm not happy where I am. I want us all to get closer to Jesus Christ. It's to that that I'm committed. I want to make this happen in your families and in your marriages. Let's together pledge ourselves to make this happen. Amen? And so finally... Don't you just love the fact that in his word, God always drives us after he's pushed so hard on us to live holy lives that he always ends it with reward and with blessing. We serve a great God, don't we? A generous, loving father who desires to give good gifts to his children. And that's what we have here. Again, that verse that we just looked at already in 3, 4. So you will find, if you don't let steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you, if you bind it on your neck and write it on your heart, then you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. In your horizontal relationships, in your vertical relationships, you will have the favor of God and the favor of man. I don't even think I need to survey the crowd right now. I think we would all say, this is something we would want. I want to live in favor with people around me. I want to live in favor with God. That's not a hard one. How about uh, chapter 21, verse 21? Take a look at there. And see what God says to us. Notice whoever pursues righteousness and kindness. That word kindness is chesed. That's what it is. It's chesed. It's loyalty. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness. Will find life. Righteousness. And honor. If you're taking notes right now. I want you to write those three words down. Life, righteousness, and honor. Write them one underneath the other. And, um, and then if it's something that you want, as I go through these words, if it's something that you want, just put a check mark beside it. If it's something you don't want, just scratch it out. All right? Life. Abundant, John 10.10. 10. Abundant here and now. Do you want the abundant life? Life to the full. That's what Jesus promises. Do you want eternal life? Romans 6, 23. Do you want eternal life? Beyond this life. This life is coming to an end. It's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. And do you want to pass through this life and get to the next life knowing that you have an eternity ahead with God as opposed to an eternity separated from God in hell? You get to choose. Check mark or scratch it out. Whatever you want. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness, if you pursue the steadfast love of God, you will find life. Stop dragging your way through these years. Stop dragging your way through this life. Forget about the emptiness that's inside of you and the lack of purpose and I don't know who I am. And Forget all of that and find life. Secondly, righteousness. Instead of being enslaved to sin, 
Instead of continuing to do things that add to the separation between you and God, that increase the gulf that's between you, instead of adding to that, have the blood of Christ cleanse you of all of that. That's righteousness, where, where God literally declares us on the basis of what Jesus Christ did for us. God declares us to be righteous. He justifies us. If you want that, put a check mark beside it. If you don't, just scratch it out. And honor. Instead of judgment. A place of honor in eternity. As a son, as a daughter of the King of Kings. If you want that honor, put a check mark beside the word. And, and if you don't, just scratch it out. See, I think most of us want these things. We want life, we want righteousness, we want honor. Even if we can't fully figure it out, maybe this is the first time you're hearing this message. And, and, and yet there's a longing inside of you for these things. And he offers them to us if we would reach out for his steadfast love. Receive the blessing that results from getting this right. Make the pledge. It's a family thing. To remain loyal to one another. Make it personal. For your family. It's our family thing. To remain loyal. To one another. Amen church. Let's pray. Hear our prayer. Uh, God as we uh, come to you now. We've uh, heard from you. I pray from your word that um, we would be convinced of these truths that we've looked at. Father, there's no doubt that there are marriages and families that are in a critical condition, that are right in this room right now, they're struggling and it's a heartache for them. Hard even for them to sit together and to listen to uh, what we've been uh, hearing from your word. But God, I pray that in these moments, they would be sensing your spirit working in their life to bring about a greater understanding of what it means to be loyal, to be committed, to have a steadfast love both for you and for those to whom we've pledged our lives. God, take away the wavering, take away the uncertainty, take away the heartache, the sorrow, the pain that's there. God, rescue according to your faithfulness, your steadfast love, God. Your steadfast love never fails. We thank you for that. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.